Minimalists. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, simpletons. What's up, y'all? <laughs> uh, well, today, today. Oh yeah. By the way, this is the Minimalist Podcast. Oh yeah. I'm Ryan Nicodemus. I'm Joshua Fields Milburn. And together we're the men. We need to. I'm just. <laughs> we should just redo that. <laughs> now let's keep going. Uh, like today, we're going to talk about dependency. We're going to talk about different types of addiction: our addiction to stuff, our addiction to food, our addiction to social media, and coffee, and cigarettes, and alcohol, and all of our addictions, and. We'll address the shame that accompanies addiction quite mm. often. And we're going to do that today with today's guest. Wilmer Callen is here. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having You're me. You're awesome. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> I'm really grateful. Now, you are the author of this book. I'll hold it up for the YouTube audience. We are the luckiest. My wife is the first person who recommended this to me. Yep. And so Bex said, you know, you, you should consider getting her on the show. And, and now here, here you I, are. Here you are. And we're going to be talking about alcohol addiction later. But uh, our podcast, we often talk about minimalism and intentionality. And many of the questions manifest around stuff. And in our culture, we certainly have an addiction to stuff, right? We have a lot of addictions, right? I, I think it'd probably be best to start by talking about what what do we mean by addiction, Laura? Yeah, I always I think this the simplest definition is anything you continue to do despite negative consequences. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. So so we're all addicted to oxygen, but there's no yeah. negative consequences. We're addicted to yeah. water. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So you continue to do it even though you're it's making you suffer in some way. Right. Okay. So. And so there are a lot of things we do, and it's almost a, a point of privilege that we we have all of these we have access to all of these things that we can become addicted too, right? Mm -hmm. And so right now, I mean, I, I can think of people who call into the show or send us messages. Uh, material possessions is an addiction. In fact, often we call it hoarding, but it doesn't just manifest as hoarding. It can just be like uh, online shopping addictions, yep. and uh, but also uh, addictions to food, sugar and carbs in particular, you, uh, overeating. Is something. Working. Yes, uh, addiction to work for sure. We, we call it uh, uh, being a workaholic, right? Yeah, with a little badge of honor. Uh, right. Yeah. In, in fact, in our culture, it is uh, a badge of, uh, of honor. Mm -hmm. um, cigarettes is a big one. My mother died from, from lung cancer because she smoked from age 16 to 65. Oh. And, uh, and so, of course, was addicted to, to that. I think there are a lot of other addictions as well. And especially in our, our heavily mediated world, we are addicted to social media. We're addicted to attention and, and status and, and money or what we perceive to be the, the sort of what money will get for us, for sure. Uh, television, uh, breaking news. We're addicted. Oh, every, every, we've mm. got to have the news Being right now. stimulated just constantly. Yeah. Yes, addicted to, to stimulation. It's that dopamine yeah. loop all the time. Yeah. yeah. And so our phones, for sure, like oh that, that is the, the one of the biggest addictions. There, there are so many of these these addictions. And we're going to talk about about alcohol addiction as well. And I want to dive into your story. But I thought first we would start with some questions from our audience. I think this will open it up with some different types of addiction. Our first question is from Corey in Charlotte, North Carolina. What do I do with 
my hoarder's accumulation of stuff that winds up on my plate. So a little bit of background. My mother uh, has what I would consider a, a shopping addiction. Um, it has had a, a very negative effect on, on our lives as a family over the years up until, um, you know, losing my childhood home uh, in the 2008 marketing crash just based on the amount of credit card debt because of the, the stuff um, that she has the constant need to fill her, her life with. So now we live in separate homes. Um, I'm an adult at this point, and the way it's still managing to affect me is she will go and, and purchase new things that she doesn't necessarily need. So she has that kind of hoarding quality, but then on the flip side of that, she calls herself a chucker. So then she wants to get rid of the old things which in in many instances aren't even old. They're barely used. There's tags on them. They were of a large purchase price in in an almost guilty fashion just based on the amount of money that she has put forth for these items. When I'm asked if I could use them or or want them, I generally say yes. Um, I try not to. But in my own beginning journey, with minimizing my lifestyle, this has become my main obstacle. So I'm wondering, what is it that I can can say to her when I really don't want these items? Like, how is it that I can express that, you know, I, I don't want these items and I don't, I don't care what you do with them. Like, I don't, you know, whatever, donate them, waste your money. I can't, I can't be invested in this situation anymore. So, Laura, there are a few things that stand out to me when we're talking about addiction and we're really talking about other people's addiction here and how it affects us. With Corey's case, you know, I think if Ryan, if you were to come to me with this question, mm -hmm. I would have the urge to want to, like, to grab you by the shoulders and shake the hell out You'd of you. You'd be like, dude, you're one of the minimalists. What are you doing? <laughs> but but there is that that sort of urge. I know my, I, I grew up, my mother was an alcoholic. Um, so was my father. And I didn't know my father that much. But uh, yeah, I spent my entire childhood with my mother. And there were times where I literally wanted to shake her and say, you know, you've got to stop doing this. But also realizing that we can't do that. No, we can't do that. I mean, that the very first page of my book, the epigraph is basically like, what I wanted to be said to me, uh, what would have been useful, and what I recommend other people say. So can I read the list? It's nine things. Yes. It's short. Um, wow, I just forgot. <laughs> you uh, got your book right here. We can, Yeah, give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, never forgotten this. No worries. I do that all the time. Like, whoa, okay. <laughs> it's not your fault. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. It is your responsibility. It is, uh, this is your thing. Mm. It is unfair that this is your thing. This will never stop being your thing until you face it. Mm. You can't do this alone. Only you can do it. I love you, and I will never stop reminding you of these things. Mm. Just oh. like slide that piece of paper right over. I love that. That's the whole thing to say, though, because you're not responsible. You can't. I, I totally agree. Well, and and there's, some, there's some language here as well that Corey is using, and I think some of it is unintentional, but she referred to her mom as my hoarder. I don't know if you noticed that when she first yeah. asked she the did. question. She said, my hoarder. And so imagine oh. like if I would have said that about my mom being my alcoholic. Right. as And that my means the burden is on me to do something about it. And let me just say this, Corey. Number one, you can break the cycle, right? And it sounds like you have. You have simplified your own life. And 
I will also say that it's not up to you to determine what other people need. There's a lot of judgment here and saying, well, she's she's buying a lot of things that she doesn't need. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not up to you to really determine whether or not you, you she needs that. Maybe you don't need it, but maybe mm-hmm. it's something that she perceives she needs or it's something that she perceives will add value to her life. Yeah, well, I, I noticed she said she feels guilty too. So a lot of this stuff that she's taking in, it's out of guilt. And you know, to the point of, her mom's problems doesn't need to be her problems. Um, I've got written down here, you know, you needn't take on the burden of others' guilt. Now, with family and friends, it's hard to not do that sometimes. But in a situation like this, you have to be reminded of that. And, you know, I think step one for uh, for, for Corey here, she's got to start telling her mom no. And that's actually the best thing she can do for it's her mom. It's the kindest thing. It is. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. I mean, that's boundaries 101. Absolutely. They're actually compassionate to say no. Yeah, it, yeah. You, you can say no. And I love what you uh, what you have written in your book there is, you know, I, I'm not going to make this my problem, but I'm going to be here for you. Yes. And I love you. And I I'm love gonna, you. Yeah. I'll remind you again. Yeah. But this isn't mine. So, so, Corey, you can totally take this approach with your mom because every time you say yes to taking something from your mother, you are enabling her. You're giving her an excuse to feed this addiction. So uh, set the boundaries up. And and again, this doesn't mean that you don't have to love or support your mom. You can say no and still love and support her. And uh, instead of just saying no, yes, you can simply say no thanks. And, And realizing that every time you are saying yes, even though it's something you feel like you perceive you would get value from here, you are saying yes because you're 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 saying yes to her hoarding tendencies. You are giving her permission. You're making room for her to continue these sort of pernicious behaviors. And let's let's talk a little bit about that, Laura, with with respect to our addictions, whatever they might be. Um, let's talk about enabling for a minute. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's the trickiest part, you know, because the people, unfortunately, the people around you, they love you. We, we're confused about what it means to love someone a lot of times, and it's a boundary thing, and we take on the responsibility of their feelings like she was and her guilt. And um, just because we don't have a problem with the behavior, we'll still partake in it with them. Mm-hmm. And so that gets a little confusing, like drinking, you know, there's mm-hmm. lot, lots of my friends don't have a problem with drinking, um, but they didn't know what to do because I did. And being around me when I was drinking was really scary for them and problematic. So were they enabling me? Mm-hmm. Were they not? And at, at a certain point, I think that what you said is true. The loving thing is to say, I, I love you, but I can't have a relationship with this addiction anymore. And um, and I'm worried. Like we're so afraid to just say the very simple things. A lot of times, you know, like this is what I see in a non-judgmental way. This is what I see. Um, this is what I experience because of it. And I don't. I'm not going to do that with you anymore. And then just let them be. You know, it's not like you're this and you're that and you're terrible and yeah. uh, and the shaming thing. But well, I love what you said. You said. Uh... Uh, you're basically suggesting to her to say to her mother, like, I cannot take part of this addiction anymore. Mm -hmm. And whenever you're trying to make a point or, you know, curb someone's behavior or, you know, you're asking for someone to change, if you put the ask on yourself, so that that language of I Mm -hmm. cannot, it's not you have this addiction and you are making my life miserable. It's it's putting the the negative on yourself, and then when you say you like that's followed by the positive statements. You're you know you're a very loving mother. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate the way that you have raised me, and thank you for giving me a home. But I cannot partic- participate in this addiction anymore. The, that's the thing, though. It's like 
her mom isn't like the addiction isn't her mom. Of course, you know, not, that's yeah. just her behavior. So that that distinction is so important. You know, I can't have a relationship with the addiction. I want a relationship yeah. with you, mm-hmm. but not with this behavior. Yeah. Corey, I'm going to send you a copy of We Are the Luckiest. I think even that first page will, will do you a lot of good. I'm also going, since you're talking about stuff, I'm also going to send you a copy of our essay collection, Essential. There's 12 different areas of intentional living in there, and one of those areas is stuff, and it talks about how we deal with our material possessions, and I think that will help you as well. So if you like our podcast, you'll like the audiobook version of Essential, or if you want the book book or the ebook, we'll be happy to send those to you as well. Our next question is from Christina in Sacramento. I had a question about adding things to your wish list on Amazon.com. So I was doing really well for a month. I wasn't buying anything. I wasn't introducing anything new to my house. But then I started to need, you know, just cleaning supplies or um, replacement items of things that I really, really liked. And and I added them to my wish list to watch like a decrease if if I was going to make a saving. So I would add a ton of stuff to my wish list. And then I would, I'm finding myself purchasing a lot of those items because um, there is, there's a notification that they're on sale or that the price has decreased since I added it to my wish list. And I cannot Stop um, looking at my. I cannot. I'm obsessively looking at my wish list and um, adding things to my cart. And it's so easy just to press the place order button. And I'm at a loss now. And I just, I just need a little bit of a tip or advice on how to get back on track. So Laura, this brings up two things here with respect to addiction. One is sort of triggers. And uh, what triggers a, a relapse? So we have people who become yeah, sober. My, I always knew my mom could become sober because she quit drinking hundreds of times. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think the same is true with our sort of uh, you know, consumer relapses, right? You know, Ryan and I are not infallible. We are still tempted by by consumerism and, and by the shiny widgets that are advertised to us via our uh, internet browsers. And, and, and so we certainly struggle with these all of these different triggers and eliminating those triggers. Can we talk about that? But can we also talk about this idea of, of perfection and relapse? Yeah. I mean, the thing is like, you can't, you can't get rid of your humanity. Right. Right. So, um, I mean, my thought when I, when she read her letter was like, maybe just no more shopping on Amazon. Like who can control that? Mm. Uh, It's designed to, you know, I don't go out to bars anymore because I don't go out. Why would I, you know, there's lots of places where I could go eat or whatever. So um, there's no perfection. I mean, in, in certain types of sobriety, like with alcohol, I can't ever drink again. I won't ever drink again. Uh Right. That's a zero sum game. But other things that we, we actually do need, like she needs to buy cleaning supplies somewhere, right. um, or you need to eat food, um, it's trickier. And it's more of, um, it's more, it's an, in, it's an inside job. Like you gotta know when you're tipping that point to, I think the main question is, am I doing this to distract myself from myself? Mm. And you can really feel that in the moment. Um, or do I really need this thing? Yeah, no, totally. Uh, You know, when I saw this topic come up, I was really looking forward to having this conversation, especially with an expert on addiction, um, because I have totally faced like my own addiction problems in the past. And when I was uh, listening to Christina's question here, 
what it made me think of is how when I was addicted, I had to really like change my state. Yes. What, what I started doing was I noticed I had a problem. Uh, instead of like doing something drastic to change my state, I just thought I could think my way out of it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when you have an addiction, um, I, I mean, maybe there's someone out there, but you know, for all intents and purposes, you can't just think your way out of the addiction. Like you've got to find a way to change your state. So uh, would you? Oh yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it actually fundamentally changes your brain. Yeah. So you, it, it significantly messes up. I mean, to put it very crudely, your brain lays tracks every time you complete some kind of process. And so she goes in on Amazon and it feels good, right? For It feels good and her brain registers like, oh, this is gonna feel good. Right. And she's done that how many hundreds or thousands of times. And so even though it doesn't feel good anymore, even though it's giving her negative consequences, her brain, st- she still gets that hit mm. that tells her it's gonna feel good. And so, no, and, and this is why the shame has no place because you, you're kind of out of your mind when mm. you're doing this, so you do have to change your state. Mm. Like you said, you do have to, and that requires laying new tracks. Like, yeah. li- that's why I said, don't shop on Amazon. You know, if you have to drive to the store, and and like, I, I didn't go anywhere where I used to go for like two years because I had to lay new tracks. Yeah, yeah. those old patterns, are they actually get in the way of what we're trying to change. And so a, a few things that you're talking about here, one is you're sort of talking about adding friction to the process. Mm. I yeah. too will avoid most online shopping because it removes all the friction, but when I remove all the friction, I also lose traction, and then I just start sliding all over the place, right? <laughs> and, and so I don't. I, I try not to buy online, especially cleaning supplies, and there are a few reasons for that. One is it's incredibly wasteful in terms of all the shipping containers and, yeah. and, and things that, that, that come along with that. But also, I know that once I, I fall down that rabbit hole, I'm $300 deep into an Amazon order. I didn't even mm. realize exactly. it. Exactly, your wish list. And, and I, I'm filling up that wish list, right? Yeah. And, and speaking of the wish list, I think it's great if it allows you to offload things that you aren't going to buy. But in Christina's case, it's actually getting in the way because she's adding things to her wish list that is then compounding her desire to consume. So I totally. would get I would get rid of the wish list. I would probably get rid of online shopping altogether, at least mm-hmm. for a, a period of time, not just a detox, but a, a sort of decluttering of online shopping. So remove yourself from online shopping for at least 30 days, test that out as a stoical experiment, mm-hmm. and maybe even get rid of Amazon Prime. Add some friction to the to the process so that you know that, oh, if I do have to buy some online, I have, to, I have to pay a little bit more for shipping. It's okay. You want to add a little bit extra uh, friction be- because that's going to help you curb the obsession that you have. Totally, man. I, I'm, it's funny you say friction. I reworded her question, and what I wrote down is, is how do we help Christina change her state by setting boundaries and creating friction? <laughs> and I've got a few things listed here. The first thing was like, yeah, delete your wish list. If that's a problem, keep a, keep a uh, you know a list on your notepad on your iPhone yeah. that or on your smartphone or just a little sticky note on the fridge. But you still are going to have to keep track of what you need. But yeah, totally delete your uh, wish list. Another thing I've written down is cancel your credit cards. Like it might be the credit cards too that are enabling her. Yes. Because it's so much easier to put something on a credit card. Oh, I'll pay that later. But when you see the money coming out of like your bank account automatically, sometimes that's enough to kind of help uh, change your state. The physical cash is even even better. Even yeah. better. Absolutely. Uh, you could, <laughs> one thing I've written down, and some of these are boundaries, and I understand that sometimes we have to fast. We can't really diet. But uh, 
so this may not be the best option for her. But another thing I thought of is she can put, if it's a spending limit, that she's allowing herself to spend on these supplies each month. She can switch her payment over to like a prepaid credit card. So that way she can't go over the spending limit. Mm. Just one way to kind of maybe help her set a boundary here. Yeah, cancel your internet for a month. I mean, do you really need internet? Like if you're at home and you are and you don't have to work, I know that like all the streaming services yeah. is on there and it's taken place of TV. But Mariah and I, before she was into coding, now she, having internet at home is very convenient for her job. But she, uh, her, her and I had no internet for months at a time. And we went oh, to, so nice. now there was, we, this was in Missoula, Montana, <laughs> and there was still, um, it was called, uh, I think Mike's Crazy Videos. So it was like a blockbuster where you That's went. Amazing. And it was so cool to like go and browse and like have that nostalgic feeling of running movies. That's and then, friction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So uh, cancel your internet for a month, see what happens. Um, yeah, one thing I wrote down is, and this might be extreme, have a friend change your Amazon password. And then every time you need to purchase, like have an accountability buddy mm. who who knows it's, who knows your password. Yeah, yeah. it's good. No, yeah. I've done that with other things. Yeah, yeah. like just to uh, take it off your phone too. If you have Amazon on your phone, oh, get rid of that right away. Great. Yeah, yeah. that's a great idea. So uh, yeah, and then last thing I had written down, you already mentioned Josh was uh, cancel your Amazon account. So some of these are lighter approaches. Some of these are extreme. But Christina, you do have to do something. Yeah, and you might have to do something extreme for yeah. a temporary period of time to figure out what is then appropriate for you in the future. And I wish Josh and I could like have this magic answer for her just to kind of help her, you know, to change her perspective and now she's going to live you know very differently when it comes to shopping on Amazon but it is going to take some real work Christina well good news Christina I have 16 magic answers for you <laughs> we have a, a free ebook on our website it is called the minimalist rule book 16 rules for living with less it's over at the minimalists.com slash resources and Ryan and I don't actually believe there are real rules for minimalism but there are some boundaries that we've talked about and and we put up we, we came up with these 16 different rules that help us live more intentionally with respect to our material possessions, our time, and our priorities. And you can download that for free over at theminimalists.com slash resources. Also, Christina, since you're in Sacramento, I'd love to send you or give you two tickets to our Les Coast Tour event there. We're going to be talking to TK Coleman, and we have a special musical guest there, Andy Davis in Sacramento. We're going on an eight-city tour with a live podcast to talk about minimalism. We're going to talk to a, a special guest in every city. We're going to have live music in every city. And if you're interested in that, if you're listening to this, you can get tickets at theminimalists.com slash tour. Ryan, what time is it? It's time for our lightning round where we answer your text messages. Text your questions and comments to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Those text messages go straight to both of our phones. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and uh, we can't answer every question, obviously, but we do answer a whole lot of them. Uh, during the lightning round, Laura, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer every question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so people can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if they'd like. And, and now... You can find all of our Minimal Maxims in one place, minimalmaxims.com. But really, we can just maunder on a bit. We'll ramble on. We'll, we'll, we'll get something yeah. pithy. Sean will make it real nice in post. What's our question, We Ryan? got a question from Heather here. Is there a correlation between living a minimal life and a sober life? I almost said, is there a correlation between living a meaningful life <laughs> and, a and a sober life? And I think both are probably apt questions. Yeah, so, so let's define sobriety here. Um, and, and I mean, you obviously write about this in your book in great detail with, with a lot of stories, but let's talk about sobriety and then we can talk about minimalism as well. 
So my definition of sobriety or what I think it is? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think I heard the best definition. It's from this Enneagram teacher and it, it is surprising, but. What's your number on the Enneagram? Seven. Okay. What are you? I am a three. What am I, Josh? Uh, you are seven, I believe. Oh, yeah, I think I yeah. am. I'm <laughs> I wish I would have known this before. It's like everything just snapped into place. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's a one. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. That's good. That's a good combo, three-one. Yeah. Um, so Russ Hudson's amazing Enneagram teacher calls sobriety the capacity to savor. Mm, which is I really beautiful. Um, that, yeah. Because sobriety is often thought of as like... Um, Absence of drugs and alcohol, right? Right. Yeah. But it's much bigger it, it, than it's that. It's almost like uh, stoicism or 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 asceticism, where, where we're locking ourselves in a blank room and not allowing us to touch anything or have any sort of pleasure at all. And that's not what we're talking about when we talk no. about sobriety. No, mm. I mean, I I wrote in the book. I said it, it's counterintuitive that restriction would offer freedom, right? We think that more is better, and this is the premise of all your work. Um, but I thought. I thought, you know, lack of that drinking was like all everything was going to go colorless and bland and um, and it has given me the most freedom. So mm. I think the that definition of sobriety I love. I think it's really um, being aware of and um, removing any behavior or um, pattern that causes you to not be present to your life. Yeah. Yeah, and I think quite yeah. often when we talk about minimalism, what we're really talking about is is living intentionally or living deliberately with or being more deliberate with the resources that we do have. And one of those resources are time, our attention. Mm-hmm. And and if we're giving all of our time and attention to our addictions, then are we really in control of our lives? No. We, we feel like I'm going to have this drink or this cigarette or I'm going to buy this thing or I'm going to eat this piece of candy because I'm in control i want to control that moment but ultimately it is controlling us totally yeah Yeah. it's actually born of a very you know our addictions are are very human it's the most human thing ever it's written into every historical record from the beginning of time so Mm -hmm. i think um to acknowledge that that this like the reason we do these things is actually very intelligent you know we're trying to survive our environment and change the way we feel um it just goes awry it goes too far Yeah. yeah well i've got a pithy answer for you here Uh, The simple life is not an easy life. A forest fire is easy. A campfire is simple. (laughs) And and I'll take that a little bit farther here. Because you can't actually have a simple life within an easy life. Just like you can't have a campfire within a forest fire. You're not going to walk into a forest fire and start a campfire. It doesn't actually exist. It Mm -hmm. can't exist. And and so what I would say is is a simple life uh, or or even a sober life in in a way can't exist amongst the chaos. We have to remove the chaos so that we can savor life. I love that definition you gave us. Totally. Uh, My short answer is covering emotions with pleasure is like covering rotting wood with paint. And that's really what it comes down to. Uh, like when I was addicted, I was covering up a lot of pain, yeah. a lot of discontent. And the problem with that is, is that eventually it's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. It, it only lasts for a short time. So, you know, when I think about um, sobriety, I like, yeah, I love that definition that you have. I know. Because, it's, because it's like you, for, oh, I'll give you an example. I broke my back. Mm-hmm. So I was given a ton of Percocet. And I instantly was like, oh no, like I might have a problem with this. 
but I need to help with the pain. So what I did is I had an accountability buddy, my wife, Mariah. We have a little cabinet that she locked those up in. And every time I needed a pain pill, she would go get it for me. But I found myself not really craving to, to, to abuse them. Right. And I guess after sitting there and kind of analyzing why this was, it's because I don't have any pain that I'm hiding from anymore. Yes. And that is, I think that is the key to living a sober life. Like being able to savor, but, but also like when you have a glass of wine, some people can have a glass of wine and savor that glass of wine. Um, and they're not trying to run or hide from anything. Mm-hmm. Some people, when they have one glass of wine, like it causes this chain reaction and then they start to bury themselves in alcohol. Yeah. So, you know, do you need to be sober to be a minimalist? Yes, absolutely. But does that mean that you have to, uh, you know, take out every single substance, quit coffee and quit alcohol? No, just you have to be honest with yourself and ask when you use substance substances, what are you doing? Are you hiding or are you savoring? Yeah, I think it's more emotional sobriety. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And we had uh, uh, Johan Hari on mm-hmm. the podcast, and mm-hmm. he was wonderful. And the thing he talked about with respect to people who are coming off of like heroin addiction, for example, is the people who are most successful, they have something to run toward, a more meaningful life to run toward. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and your journey of, of sobriety and, and, and coming off addiction, but also having something meaningful to turn to? Yeah, there's a whole chapter in my book called A Bigger Yes. And uh, that's the that's the point of it is like you can only run away from what you don't want for so long. Eventually, you have to run something towards something you do want or else it's what what is this for? Mm-hmm. You know, right. And for me, um, it, it took some digging to find that. Right. Because if you are very deep into an addiction, um, there is a, a blanket numbness over everything. And so it takes a while for your your desires to emerge again for your true self to emerge and a lot of times you have to figure out who you are like what's going on in there what do, what do you even want um but my experience i think the most telling um quote and it, it relates to this is there's this quote by the gospel of thomas and it says um if you bring forth what is within you so say your potential what you bring forth will save you if you do not bring forth what is within you because of addictions or whatever mm what you do not bring forth will destroy you. Mm. And so to me, that quote just lit me up because it was like, oh, <laughs> that's that's gonna save me. And this was destroying me, right? Mm-hmm. Like the alcohol was the small life. And so yeah, you gotta chase something bigger. Yeah. Um, and t- it takes time though. Yeah. All right, before we get into our added value segment and our listener tips today, it looks like we got a bunch more surprise questions this week. Where do you draw the line between a bad habit and an addiction? How do you know when your drinking has become a problem? Or what I would say is, how do you know when your addiction has become a problem? How does cognitive dissonance play a role in different addictions? Am I addicted to coffee if I drink one or two cups a day? What's the best way to bring up addiction concerns with a loved one in a supportive way? We're also going to talk about boundaries. Uh, we're going to talk about how to remove the stigma from from addiction and from recovery. We're going to talk about 12-step programs uh, and plus a bunch more questions for Laura. Plus, we're going to talk about porn addiction and pain pill addiction and so much more. And if you want to hear all that, listen to this week's Maximal episode. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly Minimal episode. But each week, Ryan and I record an entirely different, much longer, much more personal Maximal episode on the Minimalist 
private podcast, which is the best way for us to fund this podcast and keep it 100% advertisement-free. When you subscribe to the Minimalist Private Podcast on Patreon, you also receive a personal link so that our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. Find all the details at theminimalists.com slash support. Ryan, what else you got for us this week? Here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Hey there, Alexis from New York City. So something that has made me think twice about what I bring into my home is donating with purpose. So as I've been downsizing, I've been leaving all of my stuff in a bucket on the floor, and I've really been doing my research to try and find places that'll actually use my stuff. And you'd be surprised at how hard it is to find places who will take your stuff, even if it's good stuff. Um, So in doing all of this work, I am finding meaning and purpose in the things I'm donating, and I'm thinking twice about what I bring into my home. Hey guys, this is Natalie from Colorado, and this is the comment for the Minimalist Fashion Podcast when someone asks how to keep clothes in good condition when doing the 333 project. So I usually wear each item of clothing twice unless they're actually dirty, and then I also wash clothes on delicate and hang dry everything except for jeans and gym clothes. Most items are washed in garment bags to prevent snags or tears. Lastly, since I wear a lot of black as well, once my clothes start fading, I dye them to revive the color. Oh, and one last thing. I usually use natural detergents from a zero waste store because less chemicals equals less damage. All right, y'all. Thanks again to Laura McCowan for joining us today. Check out her book, We Are the Luckiest, and you can find her courses, her social media, her classes, everything that is Laura McCowan at lauramccowan.com. I love the title of this book because there's just so many meanings to this because I think about like being born in America like I think we're the luckiest to be uh-huh. born in America to uh yeah to have the relationships I have in my life I think man I'm the luckiest person to like have these relationships and it yeah it's it's a great title and, and also there's a sort of the double meaning of I'm lucky to have to be an addict yeah and, and she talks about that in the book so so you can even be appreciative and feel lucky for the negative things that are going on in life and the behaviors that, that we change uh, going forward. Uh, real quick for right here, right now, here are two things that are going on in the life of the minimalist. I know quite often we talk about addiction, we talk about having accountability partners or a support group. If you're looking for open-minded people near you, Ryan and I set up 100 free local meetup groups over at minimalist.org. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's 100 different cities and eight different countries. And also, if there isn't one close to you, we have an online city as well. So you can connect with people online. You can connect with people in person. A lot of these groups do one or two meetups every month in person. So you're not just connecting online, but you can also connect face-to-face. You can find people who are talking about minimizing, but they're also talking about career. Maybe they're talking about addiction or relationships or community and contribution. So many things that you can talk about with other open-minded people. And then also, Ryan, we're, we've been working on our next film, which is called Less Is Now, which will be out later this year. And, and uh, we don't have a release date yet. But uh, in the meantime, a lot of folks are re-watching Minimalism, our, our first documentary, which is available on Netflix, but also on iTunes and Amazon and wherever else. Do you uh, know how good it makes me feel, man, when like I see a tweet and it says, I'm watching this new documentary called minimalism it's changed my life and it's 
it's like how many years old, man? Before, but like, yeah. it's still, um, it's just really still having an awesome effect. It, it is. And so if you want to dive deeper with that, we have about six hours of bonus materials, bonus footage. Mm. You know, we recorded so many hours of interviews and additional footage for this film that just couldn't make the film. And we wanted to put it somewhere. And so it's over 20 videos, I believe. Yeah. If you go to minimalismfilm.com, you can buy the bonus uh, materials, the bonus footage there. I think it's just 10 bucks. So yeah. if you're interested in, in doing a deeper dive, uh, extended interviews, interviews that didn't even make the film at all. Yeah. They were great interviews. Like they our friend fit. Cruz Spence, man, like he's such, he's an awesome dude. Great advice on dating. And uh, he used to be like a, a pickup artist who has conformed to just being a really good, awesome coach. But yeah, I mean, there are some really awesome people in there. Any interviews that stand out for you? Andy Davis, who didn't make the film, yeah, but yeah. I, I really enjoyed talking to him. Also, uh, Sam Harris, uh, who was in the film, but extended interview with him and uh, Dan Harris. All the people who are in the film. We have more footage of them in in the bonus footage as well. So you can find that at Minimalism Film. Dot com. You can follow The Minimalist on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalist. Uh, if you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, send a voice memo via email to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalist. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. You'll also receive our simple Sunday emails. Now, Ryan, earlier... We talked about our text number. People text questions to us now. It's 937-202-4654. That goes right to our phones. But also, we are going to start doing these unscripted events. If we come to your city, we're going to send a text message out 24 hours in advance. And we'll just meet at a random coffee shop, maybe at a public park. We don't know. And, and we'll maybe film some of it. And uh, we, we actually recorded the last one we'll, we did in Salt Lake City. What an amazing event. Almost 100 people showed up. We just sent a text message out uh, 24 hours in advance. So you can just send us a text to say, hey, add us to your group text. Every Monday, we also uh, send out the Monday morning minimal maxims as a nice little reminder to kick off your week, uh, how to live more intentionally this week. You can just send us a text message to that phone number, 937-202-4654. And for our added value this week, have you listened to Bieber's new album? I have it, man. I like the Beebs though. I, it's really good, and it's it's one of my guilty pleasures, man. It's not even it's not a deep album, but it is. It's sort of a, it's almost like a love letter to his new relationship, and and I know he went through a lot. Apparently, mm. I mean, I can only imagine. You know, we had Jeanette McCurdy on the podcast, and and she. Uh, had to deal with a particular level of fame and stardom and paparazzi following her around. It, it, he was that same level, but exponential mm. uh, in terms of uh, of being followed around and being the center of attention and and being a child star. And he he has made it out of that. And he has developed a, uh, a a marriage, and he's in love. And this album is almost like a tribute to that that sort of honeymoon period of the marriage and mm. being in love. And it. It mixes sort of contemporary sound with what I would argue is more traditional R&B. It's like a traditional R&B album mixed with pop music. And it is so... It, every song on it is like really catchy and you really get into it. First listen, Bex and I were listening to it and was like, yeah, this is pretty good. But we played it again. I was like, oh man, this is starting to grow on me. And so I was hoping to play a song from that album today. This is Forever from the album Changes. And if you leave here today with just one message... We hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Could you be here with me forever, ever, ever? Would you be here with me forever, ever, ever? Waking up all alone ain't better, 
better, better. Every time I go the wrong way, you turn me back around. Turn me back like whoa, 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 whoa. Forever, ever, ever, ever. Do you wanna look at me forever, ever, ever? Yeah, do you see it? Some Vegas pushing a money car Bet that money on baby, bet she don't leave me on no See them he wears in the desert, look like a lake in the sand Would you watch the sun burn out with me forever, ever, ever, ever You still intimidate me, keep me up on my toes now Better man what you made me, made me aware of what I was missing Been missing the way you give me envision, babe Never thought I'd settle down, reckon I lied to myself I was busy focusing on being by myself Set my feelings to the side, they all got dusty on a shelf You wiped them down when I had nothing left Could you be here with me forever, ever, ever? Would you be here with me forever, ever, ever? Waking up all alone ain't better, better, better Every time I go the wrong way, you turn me back around Turn me back like whoa, 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 whoa.